0: Hello and welcome back to Startup Heroes. Today we're gonna do another episode of Zero to Hero. Uh, We have back with us, uh, Jessica with The Pottery Place. I'm back.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> you for <Yeah>. having me. <laughs>
0: it's actually the uh, the same time I recorded the other one, so it's not really back, it's just it continued. But, I'm back. Um, <laughs> but we wanted to chat with her a little bit about relationships, specifically with her employees, and then how that funnels into relationships with customers and funnels into hospitality. Uh, so again, I'm Chris Wood. I'm Dylan Wisnett. I'm Nate Tucker. I'm Michael Lardizabal. And our guest again is
1: Jessica Cowan.
0: All right, so yeah, let's break into it, uh, Jessica. What? How do you? How do you like have your employees? How does that work? What's the dynamic? Because it's super unique. And I haven't really seen it anywhere else. So talk about it.
1: Yeah. So we cultivate a extreme ownership sort of environment for our staff and our studio, which means that we don't have a hierarchical sort of management style. There is no overall manager, store manager. There's no manager of specific things. Everyone is in charge of working towards the goal together. So we all have one goal, which is to build community in our space. And everything that we do is driven by building community under the arc of having a lot of fun while we're doing it Um, so to that end when people come to work for me they get to have a lot of autonomy that they haven't had before in other businesses specifically when you're talking about retail restaurant service sort of industries Um, I'm a believer that we all know what the goal is and although I can give you the best process to get there sometimes you just have to learn on your own and sometimes you do it better than I do once you've learned how to do it my way and so like I'm not kind of a micromanager in terms of we're gonna do things this specific way, I'm more like we need to get to this specific result and I will train you the fastest, most efficient way that I've learned how to do it. And then after you've learned how to do it that way, you're welcome to take deviations so that you can get where we want to go because it's the result that's most important to me. And that manifests itself within our just internal relationships as well. Nobody is feeling like one person is more than the other. Um, All of our pay structures are out in the open. Like I do encourage them to talk about the money that they make and why they make that much money. If you want to make more money, come talk to me. I'll tell you how to get a raise or earn more hours or earn a skill or something of that nature. So um, we all start on the same playing field. We go through a training process that gets you incremental raises as you learn the skills. And then after that, you join the team of community builders and fund makers in our space. And so when it comes to problem solving with customers, which we don't have a ton of, but you know, we all have problems from time to time, they get a lot of say in finding the problem. So we have have a solution seeking model where we learn all about what the problem is right now and what we can do to fix it, which 99% of the time is not a refund. I think so many business owners skip over the relationship building part by just saying, well, just give them a refund. That's, that's what the corporations do. They already have a lost line for that. So give them a refund. Let's not worry about it. They'll be happy they have their money back. But you didn't cultivate a relationship with the customer. You didn't give your employees a chance to learn something. Like at the end of The day that was just a dead transaction for you for everybody. Um, So, I really kind of invested in teaching them how to talk to people, learn why this is a problem, and then discover what the solution will be that works for that particular customer. And so, maybe it's a credit to come back and paint, maybe it's a to go kit with the exact same thing that they painted and the colors that they use so they can recreate it. Maybe I need to paint one specifically for them. You know, there are lots of different options of what that might look like, and we want to choose the one that's right for them because we want people to feel like they've been seen heard and accepted because that is the community building aspect of the whole thing
0: so you have a lot of autonomy for your employees um, but also how long is your training manual
1: 100 pages
0: so talk about kind of the dy- dynamic of autonomy with super well-structured guidance because i think you've one, one line that we use a lot is you can't expect someone to succeed if you haven't given them the tools to succeed um, And I think you've gone above and beyond with that with your uh, training manual, but Uh, You've kind of created this foundation of success for your employees to where they can be that autonomous.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Something that I get feedback a lot from when people come to work for me is how great the training process is. Like it is inclusive, intensive. So, you know, it takes a, a little bit to get through it and it can feel like a lot's coming at you at one time. But once you get out the other side, they're like, wow, I see how it all works together. I love having this book to be able to go back to, to reference things. And then we have all of our most frequently asked questions on an index ring card system and so there are even 50 ring cards that have very specific questions on them that when you're new you get you ask those questions a lot so you can just go through the ring and it'll tell you on the back how to ring out the register receipt that you're looking for, how to pull a sales report or whatever the answer to the most frequently asked questions might be Um, and so because they can always go back and that training manual is always available to them, they tend to be able to find the answers to their questions without having to ask me but they're also not afraid to ask me questions to help grow their knowledge set as well and I think that the training process coupled with that extreme ownership really helps them take that ownership and say, well, I know what the process is supposed to be. I know what the result is supposed to be. And so if I have a question on how to get there, then I should probably ask her. And it's not uncommon for my staff to say, like, here was an exact interaction I had. How would you have handled it differently? I didn't feel like I had the best feeling whenever I left that interaction. The customer seemed happy, but I felt like it was a little awkward. Um, Or they might ask me to come them for a day. It's like, can you figure out where in this process I'm going wrong? Because it's just not quite as efficient as I feel like it should be. And because they're so open to feedback because they all want to you know, reach the goal and we're working together. Um, it just creates this really great environment, you know?
2: Yeah, that's so good there's honestly so much of that. I'm like, Oh, I want to unpack this a little bit more like, Oh, that, and that one, and that one. Um, so first off, uh, one of the things that came into my mind, I heard a phrase that I think really connected with me, uh, that I hear so much in your business, which is being married to the mission, not the method. And that's really cool that you kind of cast that vision for that, for your employees, which is really cool. Um, and the other thing I was really curious about was like, did you start this, uh, kind of unique way of, of autonomous, like, uh, shared leadership all at the beginning, or was this something that happened later? And I'm just curious about it, whatever that, that origin point was, was there things that worked really great and, or things that you had to like workshop over time, yeah, I'm oh. just so curious about like how that evolved.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, well, I will say it didn't start out like that. I mean, my structures that I had always been from is I was always a regional manager or a store manager or a district manager, something like that. So I've always was in a very hierarchical sort of thing. And you know, for the most part, I've always been in the upper management versions of that. But when the pandemic happened, there was this huge discrepancy in the way that we treated people across the board, but particularly when it came to the ground level people working in the retail and service industries versus the people who were working the work from home jobs or things that transitioned into work from home. And so I spent some time getting on the horn with everybody that I knew and saying, tell me about your experience as a restaurant manager. Tell me about your experience as a server. Tell me about your experience in a paint your own pottery shop at a pizzeria. Tell me what this has been like for you during the course of the pandemic and what is making you continue to work there or what's made you change? Because I want to talk about retention moving forward in these industries. I want more people to see hospitality as a real viable career path because it is, and it's important one as we found out during the pandemic, it was the one that everyone still had to show up and come to work to you know, at the end of the day. Um, so kind of circling back around into that, the thing that all of these different people from different levels and walks of life told me was that they felt like they just had no autonomy during the whole thing. People every day were handing down new rules and regulations that they had to suddenly pivot and follow on top of already rigorous regulations in places like corporate box, you know, chains and places like that. And so, you know, not only were all of these things changing around them, but they're having to wear a mask and it just was very dehumanizing at the end of the day. And then they're looking at their cohorts and saying, well, they're getting to work from home. (laughs) Like they transitioned their whole job to working from home. And I still have to do here and adhere to a new set of standards. Um, and so it really just felt them make like they were like a number or a cog in the machine. And I don't want people to feel like that. And so taking that experience that I heard from other people and kind of parlaying it to my own business. And I said, well, what do you guys think? Like, I, I value your opinion always. So every time we made a change, we talked about it together. There were some things like mass mandates that we can't really have too much of an opinion on. But when we make changes, we always talk about them together. And they said, well, you know, that's something we like about you is that you, you want our opinion, you value it and you help us shape and grow the store. And I'm like, well, what if you had more of that? Like, what if it wasn't just when I'm ready to do a new retail display? And I say, what do you think we should put here? And how should it look? And we all get excited and we have so much fun putting it together. What if it wasn't just that? What if it was the bigger things? What if it was solving customer problems? Like, what if it was money management? What if? And they said, well, that would be awesome because you're going to give us skills and, you know, you have to hire the right people who support small businesses and they understand the community building aspect. But for them, it's an invaluable opportunity.
3: So something I'm curious about with the model that you've set up with your business is where does it go? What is like the setup for your employees and how are you like helping them to grow and, and keep like encouraging them to want to be a part of it? Because the big thing I know too in the service industry, I've experienced this, is the fact that many people in it feel like they reach a point in it where they cannot go higher, um, especially like with being like a server or anything like that. I've had jobs like that where it's like, okay, I'm now the manager of the shop That's it. There's no further up or anything like (laughs) that. So what do you do to kind of like empower your employees to like encourage them to want to stay and develop new skills and want to move up in your company?
1: Okay, well, long term, um, yes, I want people to move up in my company, but I want them to follow their own dreams and goals. Mm -hmm. So I'm more invested in making sure that I'm facilitating that. Um, I feel like my business will just grow as a result of finding the right people and supporting their growth. So I want to find people who want to be entrepreneurs and I want to help move them in that direction by giving them that real world experience, which I think the extreme ownership really helps them understand that it's not just show up and do your very specific job, like the small business ownership. And and if you want to be a big business, you got to be a small business at some point in time. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to understand that there is a ton that goes into working this thing. Um, But beyond that, whenever I get to know them, obviously, as they start to work for me, we have conversations about where they want to go in life. And sometimes at this moment in time, this job is just a means to an end and they'll Will tell me how far they want to go in it, and that's great. And other times they'll say, Yeah, like my long term goal is I want to teach ceramic arts classes, and like, fantastic, I can help move you in that direction over time. Um, so when I hire people, when we do our little interview, we talk about what your pathways to success look like. And I say, Everyone starts here, we're heavy on the hospitality and customer service. But once you get in and you understand the processes, then I want to figure out what you're interested in that I can help you grow into because I have lots of experience building businesses from scratch, marketing. Um, um, administrative, bookkeeping, accounting, production for clay, uh, all that sort of stuff. So I'm just kind of like, if those, whatever you want to do once you're in and you have some sort of interest, I'm willing to invest my time in you to give you skills to help compound that. Now that person has to decide what they want and where they want to go. And if that mm-hmm. it happens to be help me grow my pottery shop, then fantastic.
0: Um, something that I've been thinking on with Jasmine recently is, um, this dynamic of, you can't make people believe in your vision. They have to believe in their own vision. Um, and so, uh, kind of like you're saying, talking to them and saying like, what, what do you want out of this? What do you want to do? Because, even if you have like the most gung-ho like nate for example like Nate's one of the most enthusiastic gung-ho people i've ever met and he would do like pretty much anything for this business because he loves it but um in the long term if you know there's going to be a point where if it's not something that he believes in wholly and is like his vision he'll get burnt out or he'll um Basically, not want to do it anymore. And but if instead it it is his vision and it's something that he wants to do, like you know, if he really wanted to become the mayor one day, like how could be caffeinated to help him become the mayor? You know, stuff like that. Um, so is that kind of your belief too? Is you have to find their vision and their why, and then kind of connect it in with the business? Or
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, my. Number one title as I see myself in role is as a leader, and my leadership role is to facilitate and to serve others. I just have a platform of a pottery shop that helps me do that. Like I'm not trying to take over the world of my pottery shop. I'm trying to give people stepping stones into career paths, to exploring creativity, to learning about clay or ceramic arts, just to have a job during college. Whatever it is that you need, if you fit into the culture, and you know you have to buy into being a community builder and a fun maker and all of those things. But if that's the place you want to be, then I'm a good fit for you. It's going to be inclusive you're going to learn something and we're going to be excited for you when you're ready to go off to the next bigger and better thing
0: so how does that funnel into the customer experience because i feel like i mean you're i've gone and painted stuff at the pottery place before it's always fun um the employees there um apparently call me like country boy or something but uh they're really nice at least to my face if not behind my back <laughs> Just kidding, but they always seem like they're you know uh, they're there to be there and, and to to be successful. So how do you think that your dynamic with your relationships with your employees has helped with your customer experience and hospitality and how your business has succeeded?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, for one, I think that when you're a leader, you have to set a vision because, I mean, who's going to follow a, a leader that doesn't have a very clear vision? And so my employees are quite aware of my vision for the community, and they know that I'm not in it to make a million dollars from my pottery shop. I really believe that the profit and the money all comes from serving my higher purpose, and that has Uh, has come true over and over again. So I'm going to continue to put all of my eggs in that basket and assume that the more that I give back to people, the more that they're going to give back and invest into me. And when I invest into my employees, my time, my effort, um, the fun things that we do together, they're happy. They're happy to come to work. And when they're happy to come to work, they want to share that and spread that. And that's where it translates into the customer experience, because they're not worried about uh, paying their bills because they get paid pretty good wage, especially compared to other people in the area. They get perks. They, you know, we do fun stuff together. They're in a supportive and nurturing environment where someone really does care about their mental health, their physical health, their well-being just overall. Um, And I make efforts every day to make sure that they have consistency as much as they can. Um, That's another thing in the service industry is there's a lot of lack of consistency. People would like to have a more set schedule. We write our schedule a month in advance. So everyone just has to work together and plan your life out. But once you've got it, you've got a whole month in, in front of you. And that's something that they really appreciate. So all of that stuff compounds together into one really happy staff who likes their jobs and they want to share that with the other people in the community and help building that community value.
0: So how can a business owner do the same? Because they're not all going to be pottery places. They're not all, all going to be as um, customer-facing as yours is. Um, how, what's a way you can kind of self-audit as a business owner what the current experience is and then build it into your goals for the future.
1: Yeah. Um, so one, if you are a business owner that has employees, the first thing that I would do is sit down with all of your employees and talk to them about their dreams or goals, the things that they're interested in, um, skill sets that they would like to have or learn, and then see where there might be some overlap that are beneficial to both you and them and move them in that direction. Um, that's just the first part, just to making sure that like you're building a relationship with your staff, because you're going to need that to get them to do the customer service touch points, even if you're not customer fit facing. Um, the second thing is like if you don't have employees or if you're just not customer facing, I would do a physical customer touch point audit. And so I would go through and pretend that I'm a customer and see exactly what that looks like. Like, uh, do they email you? And then I would email myself an email and see how that looks whenever it comes in from the inbox. And then what I say back to them, um, how the text is typed out, if it's laid out appropriately, or if I'm using like Comic Sans on accident or something of that nature, um, about how long it it takes to get back. Like there's a lot of data collection, but the more data that you have, the easier that it is to figure out like, you know, what the, where you're auditing yourself essentially. Um, but anywhere that your customer would have an interaction, especially if it's without you, you really want to look at that and make sure that they're getting clear and concise information. If it's a website button, that the button looks good. It's clear that this is the button you should push. It doesn't just say button on it. It says book now, reserve a seat, get your ticket, whatever it needs to be. Um, and I think that people should be a little bit more transparent too with their customers like be real like be for real like tell us how much it costs to go to the thing you know like that's going to help build the trust and the relationship with the customer um and all of that just parlays into what your touch points look like and the experience that they're having because like let's go let's touch on the how much things cost things so so many businesses want to put on their facebook like here's an event that i'm having and here's the link because you have to click out to go to the link in order to find out how much it costs to go to the thing but then there's a whole conversation in the messages about well how much is it and some some basic questions that honestly should just be answered whenever you're putting out an ad for come to my thing sort of situation and the business is getting frustrated with having to answer it and they're like oh click the link click the link you're witnessing digital hospitality at its least finest right there Um, because the first thing you had to do was just be really clear and direct and honest about what it is that you're selling or inviting people to and if you're not going to do that be willing to answer those questions in the comments you know Um, and so again like digital hospitality That's something that I like to talk about, but that's a touch, that's a customer touch point as well. The beginning of their experience might just be inquiring about information and they already have a sour taste in their mouth because they don't know exactly what day it's on because you said it was on January 20th and forgot to say it's Friday, January 20th. They don't know how much it costs or what time it is or actually where it's at until they click out. Well, by the time they click out, what does your page look like? You know, so it's a whole thing that you have to look at. But once you get all that down and realize that this is all about the relationship building and not just about maintaining your brand, you might have a different perspective and make it a little bit easier to audit yourself in that way. Because it can be hard to look yourself in the face and go, oh, this does not look good. This is not intuitive. It's not interactive. But if you're instead of attacking yourself as the brand maker, you look at yourself as the brand facilitator, the culture builder, and you say, ha, this is not a relationship building thing, then you don't have to you know, beat yourself up so much about it. <laughs>
2: yeah no i really love that i think even as you were talking about like the self-auditing or like i've also heard it as like a customer journey experiencing kind of yeah thing uh literally that that idea of like imagining you're there them and going through each and every single step it's like it can be very mentally draining but it's a, a, a journey worth taking i've noticed uh back when i did like uh music for instance and i would have a show like even walking through the whole set and imagining like what are they going to be experiencing after we're, we're coming on after this band that has this kind of vibe what are, what are they going to be thinking what are they going to be feeling what kind of thing do they need that we maybe we went so dark and maybe they need a moment of light you know and just going through each of that and then that's a yeah a very worthy action to do as a business uh, owner so that's really really great we all need that reminder to, to do that more because i think it's in the times that we're the busiest we forget to do that but it's that could change everything yeah. like <laughs> those are the times the... that
1: people need the information the most exactly and that's, the, that's mm. like usually the worst part about that yeah. another thing is like use your industry as a sounding board not in that you need to like talk to people in your industry i mean that's fun too but you know go through uh, for us like we do classes and events sometimes i go through to like a hundred other studios and copy what their copy is into a spreadsheet so i can look at it and figure out like what's working really well what language works great what did their customers say in the comments like i'm like, Nate, like I'm like a spreadsheet ninja over here of like what did they think, um, what could have been better, what was missing, what were the complaints, and then I try to compile that into something that is more approachable.
4: We do that all the time in content too, like through my day job is just finding consumer sentiment. Um, I just moved the entire table. Um, Like basically an entire part of my job is just looking through comments and finding (laughs) consumer sentiment on like, if people got pissed off, we said this thing or didn't include this thing in our content messaging or like our bio is missing this. And then people are saying like, oh, I love this, this and this. I can tell the content team like, hey, um, on our bath, bath product brand, people are really talking about the bubbles. Um, We should make content with more bubbles, and then we do, and it performs fantastic, Um, and they're like, all right, that worked, or (laughs) it didn't work, I was wrong, Um, so it's just, like, super fascinating, and you can learn a lot just from
1: literally just
4: sentiment that people just talk about on social. I think that's
0: important, too, to to just listen, and, Mm. like, uh, we talked, I don't know if it's come out yet, I think we talked to one of our um, others are here to hear episodes about, uh, just emotional intelligence and listening and being open to ideas. And I think that's something that's really important. Uh, but to end this episode, I want each of us to talk about our favorite or one that you can think of fun hospitality moments, um, at a business or brand, or just something that you've done yourself. And I'll start since. I didn't tell y'all before now, but recently uh, we went down to uh, Florida, Alabama for my family's annual get together at Gulf Shores. And we went to this coffee shop. We'd, we went last year as well called Happy Pappy. Um, and it's this really chill uh, kind of there's couches and you hang out coffee shop and they have this board next to the register. It has like nine or ten drinks on it and each one's named after a barista So it's like the bryce and it's a drink that that barista made and so you can order like, okay and that's the one I ordered was the bryce and it was this um Shaken espresso with brown sugar and something in it and it was really good um, and it was a really fun way to kind of connect with the team um, by Drinking literally a creation that they came up with and that's named after them And then I let my mom try it and then she like was trying to put the lid on and kind of spilled some. And so she gave it to me cause you know, I'm a professional barista uh, and I, these are the exact words that came out of my mouth. I said, let me put it on. I'm a professional. And then I proceeded to <laughs> spill the entire cup <laughs> all over the ground. It was, it was just desserts and, and Bryce himself came out to help me clean it up. And, um without prompting without asking he got out a bunch of towels helped me clean and then said let me go make you another one and like didn't didn't make a fuss about it just it was it was obviously the like default decision is when your customer is overconfident and his lid putting on abilities give him another drink for free which i I paid for it because i didn't feel right and also i've been there but he also um the, the drink that he gave me next, it was double cupped, <laughs> which I super appreciate. And that's just like that next level of either his thought was this guy's not smart enough to not spill a cup or it was which is actually what he said was the cups that they got recently were really thin and they were, um, and the lid going on, it was, the cup was just really thin and it kind of bent over when I did it. And so it made a hole in it. Um, which is a weird thing to say, but I've touched so many cups that I noticed like, Oh yeah, this is a thin cup. Um, but he just (laughs) had that extra step to put another cup in so that it didn't happen again. And I really appreciated it and made it go from, Oh no, I spilled my coffee to now I'm telling it as a fun story about good hospitality you know I mean you didn't have to do that and you didn't have to give me a, a second cup and any of that because it was all my fault but he turned a oopsie into a woohoo
3: <laughs> good yeah that's a lovely story country Bob
2: thank you <laughs> so yeah <Yeehaw>. uh, <laughs> I'll go next uh, let's see for me i've i've thought i know i've talked about this with uh some buds here locally but i don't know if i have mentioned it on one of the episodes but that's okay i'll mention it in the episodes um so the brand chewy that does food uh pet food deliveries and other deliveries of of stuff for for your awesome little loved furry ones um they recently did something really surprising and really amazing, which was my wife had signed up, uh, for on Chewy and made an account for both of our cats. Um, so we got a new cat named Saki and so she did the profile, put in the profile picture and all that stuff. So when she actually went to order some food that all happened and, and it was all good. Right. But they randomly just out of the blue sent us, uh, a package, And so I'm like, hey, what did you order from Chewy? She, she's like, I don't know. So we opened it up and it was a hand-painted portrait of Saki, like the same p- profile picture of Saki, our little cat, and, and it was her. And that was just so insane. Like we were freaking out in our kitchen just like, <laughs> no one does this. That is so sweet and so nice. And, uh, and so, yeah, literally – I have had a bunch of kind of nice interactions at a lot of places, but when this topic comes up, I cannot think of anything else. Like I think of Chewy and that's it because it is just so burned into my brain. And so, yeah, that one really got me.
4: Love that. Me? Me Yeah, go for it. You still thinking? No, I've got mine. Oh, okay. You haven't
3: talked a lot. Go for
4: it. All right. My... (laughs) This is the first one that popped up in my head for some reason. Um, it was a few years ago whenever the new Grinch movie came out.
3: <laughs> oh, I know this one.
4: Yeah. Um, you know this one? Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, you were there. Yeah. We, we went to IHOP um, to enjoy the, the Grinch themed pancakes and the minty who hot chocolate, um, which was fantastic, by the way. And then, um, are you showing him the Grinch? Let's be real. Be real. that's fine um and then (laughs) then, um we were just like waiting and waiting um and because we were like yeah our friend's coming um he'll be one minute um no worries um so they're like all right well just let me know when you guys are ready to order so he came and sat down we waited for like 20 minutes um they still hadn't come and they were like oh has no one taken your order yet? And you're like, yeah, we were just waiting for my friend to come, but he's here now. And they're like, Oh, have you been waiting a long time? And you're like, not too long, maybe like 20 minutes or so. And they're like, Oh no, I'm so sorry. Um, and then they like, we like ate our meal and we ordered like a bunch of food. They're like, it's on us tonight. Um, so we got our free Mincy chocolate, Grinch pancakes, mm-hmm. bacon, um, no cost. And then we went to see the movie after. Yeah. Great. IHOP experience. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So mine is, um,
3: a little similar to that. It also was that like a restaurant, um, is that a local Cajun restaurant? Uh, one of the first dates I went on with my partner, I took her to this local Cajun restaurant and while we were there, um, I just I noticed that they had this little like area in the back with like magazines and stuff and like a big huge couch and like a piano. It's obviously like this is where like the musician sits and they just don't have a musician tonight. But I just kept like mentioning to her like that looks cool. That's a really cool like spot over there. It's like by the window too. I love seeing by windows. I'm like a dog or something. Um, <laughs> and so I just kept saying that. And then like the owner, I I think it was also like the server. And they walked by, and they were like, you like over there? I was like, yeah. And he's like, come on. And they just moved everything out of the way over there just to, like, sit us down. And it turned into, like, this very memorable date because of that. Because now we were, like, the only people there. And now we're just, like, at, like, the very front of the restaurant sitting on, like, the big, comfy couch eating our food. And, yeah, I just loved it. And that was, like, something really small. In hindsight, you know, it only took them, like, five minutes to do. But it seems so big to me. (laughs) I love
1: that. It's my turn now. Okay. um, I feel like I will talk about I experienced at Fraser Five and Dime. Um, so Fraser Five and Dime, for anyone who doesn't know, is a new local chef-driven restaurant concept in the North Shore area. And it's mostly Tapas sort of dealio, but it's a really awesome, really cool vibe sort of place. I went for the first time a couple, maybe like a month or so ago. And one, like from a hospitality standpoint, like for me and the experiences that I've had, it's been nothing but good. Like they've got a really direct pathway when you walk in, you feel like a superstar walking down a runway getting to the check to the check-in. Um, with the hostess or the host and then they're always super nice to you. They lead you wherever you want to go. And the cool thing is, is they do have like a chef's side dining almost. They have a little bar that like looks into the kitchen and you share it with the chef who's doing the, ex- bar, the whatever, sending the food out and whatnot. Um, and so while you're there, like they'll talk to you about it. You can sample some of the foods occasionally, that sort of dealio. But when I was there, um, I was on my own doing my own thing. And most people know that I carry around my own reusable metal straw just because like I like metal straws better than paper straws and I'm not (laughs) I'm just going to have my metal straw, not a paper straw. Um, So anyway, they brought me my first drink and it had a straw in it. And I took the straw out to use my metal straw instead, just because it's more delicious that way. And I noticed when they brought the subsequent drinks, they just left the straw off. And when I asked about it later, they're like, oh yeah, well, we noticed that you brought your own straw. And it's not really that huge of a deal, but it is that being in tune with like the customer's preferences and maybe what their values are, because they just as easily could have stuck to their normal processes and just stuck the straw in there, which plenty of places that I've asked to leave leave the straw out because I know that they do that they just put the straw in there anyway and then like I've wasted the straw because I'm going to use my my metal straw instead Um, and then at the end of the meal the foods that I did have left they boxed up in front of me and they wrote what it was and the date that I had it on there and I just think that that table side boxing in conjunction with the uh, labeling with the date is really helpful and it's kind of a lost art in a hospitality from the restaurant service perspective and so I thought that was really cool and just overall I had a great time and I felt like I was really appreciated while I was there
0: it's amazing what paying attention can do.
1: Yeah, just the little stuff, you know? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, and so to kind of wrap up, I think all of these sentiments, um, it's really easy to make a huge impact. And uh, we've talked about unreasonable hospitality and the concept of one size fits one. Um, and I think that's really important here. And uh, there's a quote from unreasonable hospitality that says, if your business involves making people happy, then you can't be good at it if you don't care what people think. <laughs> Um, so I would just challenge you to, uh, just ask your customers or listen or just pay attention and see where are the weird faces being made? Where are the pain points for your customers? Uh, when they walk in, does it look bad? Does it look good? Um, do they kind of like make a stutter step when they're trying to figure out where the bathroom is? I mean, there's a ton of things that can just make the overall experience better, but also just listening for those one size fits one opportunities like with Jessica and the straw with Nate and the piano. Um, even like when you forget to send someone over and you get to give someone free Grinch pancakes, like that's pretty great. Um, you know, doing a portrait for a cat, like that's, that's super cool. Um, and just making people feel like they matter, they're valued, they're seen and that they're not an inconvenience because uh, shocker, you can't be a business if you don't get money. And money typically comes from people. (laughs) (laughs) True story. Yeah, so I think this was a great discussion on kind of hospitality relationships, both with employees and customers. And yeah, again, the challenge is just kind of listen, pay attention and try and do one thing this week that kind of goes above and beyond for one customer um, or one employee and and see how it goes. Uh, Again, this is Chris Wood with Startup Heroes and Dylan Wisenat,
3: Nate Tucker
2: Michael Lortzobel.
0: And our guest once more was...
3: Jessica
1: Cowan.
0: Thanks for listening. Check us out on YouTube, Spotify, all the places you listen to podcasts. Uh, And check us out on our website to see what seminars we have going on right now. Uh, Have a good day and make someone happy.
4: God bless.